0: so you want your charity to succeed it's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern day fundraising success and practical advice is what you need the nonprofit coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who along with our host provide advice you can use Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347 324 3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347 324 3080. Now, welcome the host of the nonprofit coach, Ted Hart.
1: And welcome here to the latest edition of the Nonprofit Coach. This is Ted Hart, your host, coming to you live from the national headquarters of the Charities Aid Foundation of America near Washington, D.C. For those of you who are familiar with the show, you know, as the announcer just uh, mentioned, that when we get to our Page 2 guest today, this is a live call-in show, and you can call in at 347-324-3080. You can also email me at tedhart at tedhart.com or join us over in the chat room, and I do see some folks over in the chat room now. You can ask questions there. Uh, First up here on the Nonprofit Coach, as always, is page one news. Find a lot over in Page One News, not only today's links, but also all the archives uh, for all the prior shows. Over in the radio links today at TedHart.com, click on radio links. You'll find a reminder of our people to people fundraising LinkedIn group that we host over on LinkedIn. Uh, as of today, we have 2,046 members uh, to that group. It's a practical group for nonprofit. Uh, organizations looking for non-technical information on using technology and the Internet databases to raise money and build communities online. Join our online LinkedIn communities by going to tedhart.com and click on Radio Links. Next up in the Radio Links today, you'll find a reminder that the PR News Nonprofit PR Awards are coming up. The deadline for entry is this Friday, November 30th, the final entry date for PR News' is. Nonprofit PR Awards is this Friday. PR News is dedicated to honoring the most talented communicators and teams in the nonprofit sector, and annually it recognizes the individuals and teams that have exceeded expectations and created the most innovative programs. Make sure that if you have a great project, and they have a number of different categories, ranging from advocacy campaigns to blogs, email, newsletters, event PR, fundraising, green PR, which we're very pleased to see that. As you know, uh, we have a partnership with greennonprofits.org, so it's great to see the green PR and marketing programs uh, involved there, all the way on through to social media, volunteer programs, websites, the Nonprofit Communicator of the Year, and the Association Nonprofit Team of the Year. So lots and lots of categories. Make sure that you apply. You can find the link over at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach, we are very pleased every month uh, to bring you the GuideStar Minute, GuideStar being the number two most important thing that uh, charities can do online, most important is a well-designed website for your organization. Number two is a successful GuideStar strategy. Today today here on the Nonprofit Coach is Lindsay Nichol. She is here from GuideStar to bring us this month's GuideStar Minute. Lindsay, welcome back to the Nonprofit Coach.
2: Hi, Ted. Thank you so much for having me.
1: So what's going on at GuideStar?
2: So there's a a couple things. You just mentioned the GuideStar Exchange program, which we love that you're a fan of, and we're so appreciative of everything you do to talk about that program. And we actually partnered with the Foundation Center uh, to give GuideStar Exchange seal holders two benefits, and that's actually discounts off of two different Foundation Center products, they have something called the Foundation Directory Online, which is a, a database for grants research. So if you're a GuideStar Exchange seal holder, you can get a 10% discount off of that. And also, they have these in-person classes, and uh, they, they talk about a variety of, of topics, uh, proposal writing, budgeting, fundraising, et cetera. And seal holders get a 20% discount off of that. So. We're really excited um, to get people involved in the Geistar Exchange SEAL program. We think it's really important and really critical to be transparent in this um, nonprofit sector. And now we're trying to give people even more incentive, and we're excited to work with the Foundation Center to do that.
1: Well, this is a a nice addition to the array of services that people receive uh, by getting um, the Exchange SEAL approval. Of course, we recommend that all of our listeners seek the exchange uh, seal of, uh, of approval. In addition to these benefits, why is it a good idea to have the exchange seal of approval?
2: Yeah, thank you so much. I, again, we, we totally appreciate your show and you, Ted, so thank you for doing that. And, and to kind of segue into the importance of this uh, nonprofit sector, it's Giving Tuesday today, which I'm sure everyone has heard about. It's essentially... Well, tell us
1: all about that, because we, were, uh, we did want to mention that here at the top of the show, so why don't you bring that to us?
2: Yeah, I'd love to. So, you know, there's, of course, after Thanksgiving, there's Black Friday and there's Cyber Monday. So there's all these activities to get the money to the retailers. And we thought, wouldn't this be a nice time to get the nation together to give back to the causes they care about and to really make the world a better place through a combined effort and to take back this time of year from the retailers. So that's what Giving Tuesday has become. It's the first ever um, year that this is launching, it's launching today. It's actually completely being launched through social media. So it's the hashtag Giving Tuesday is the proper name of the uh, campaign. And it's really just a time for people to come together and not only give to the nonprofits they care about, but to give smarter. And that's obviously where GuideStar comes in. We have five steps that we recommend people take when they uh, try to pick a charity to donate to. So we're hoping that people use Giving uh, Tuesday as a, a platform to not only give but give smarter.
3: Well,
1: that's uh, that's important. And of course, that's where GuideStar comes in, is to provide information uh, that uh, donors can find. But uh, what's even more important about GuideStar, I think, for those who may not be uh, as familiar with GuideStar, and uh, why don't we wrap up our GuideStar minute by just giving us a snapshot of all of the very important websites that two folks actually power that high net worth individuals, foundations, and corporations are likely to be using. Oh my
2: gosh, thank you. We we have a huge list of people. I mean, we uh, we power many many organizations that work with nonprofit information. So. Facebook Causes is an example. Um, we work with a, a group called Wealth Engine. A lot of the do- donor advisors and donor advised funds we work with. So J.P. And of course,
1: one of the largest is the Fidelity Charitable Gift Fund. Uses your database to to help right. power their donors.
2: That's absolutely right. Um, you know, we work with just a variety of organizations. American Express.
1: Um,
2: so you know, we're thrilled to be able to say that we're providing really high quality not only data, but information about nonprofits to all these organizations. And through that work, they're able to get the right people to the right nonprofits. So we're, we're very proud of that work.
1: Well, Lindsay Nickel, again, representing the number two most important thing that charities can do successfully online is a strong GuideStar strategy. Thank you again for being here on the Nonprofit Coach. We look forward to next month's GuideStar Minute.
2: My pleasure. Thanks, Ted.
1: Happy holidays. Um, We are back over here on the uh, Nonprofit Coach, and we are back over to uh, Page One News. And you'll find over in the Page One News today uh, an important activity that is coming up uh, in Washington, D.C. next week, uh, and that is Protect Giving Days in Washington, D.C. That's December 4th and 5th. And we have here uh, with us Andrew Watt, the President and CEO of AFP, who is the host of Uh, Protect Giving Days in Washington, D.C. Andrew, thank you. And and I'll just uh, programming note, I'll let folks know that you are going to extend over and we'll be able to chat with you again at the beginning of page two because you're going to help us introduce um, our wonderful guest today um, in celebration of uh, of, uh, National Philanthropy Day and month. But you're here with us uh, specifically on a very important issue facing the nonprofit sector. What is that issue?
4: Ted, well, great to be with you, and thanks, and thank, thanks for suggesting that we, we chat today. Um, the issue is this, that the administration and um, you know, on the House, as we all know, uh, trying to balance the books. Um, this is an extremely important exercise, and I think all of us are firmly behind them in trying to come to some sort of bipartisan agreement. However, one of the issues that they're looking at is the issue of deduction, and in our case specifically the charitable tax deduction. We're very concerned that this is something that's being looked at in isolation. Uh, It fails to recognize the extraordinary input, $800 billion a year through the economy, 10% of the U.S. workforce employed by nonprofits. And we feel that this is a very um, poor way in which to look at something in isolation. So what's on the table is the charitable tax deduction, whether that's by limiting the deduction available to higher rate um, taxpayers, or whether it is as part of an overall cap on deductions, we are arguing that the time has come to have a strategic conversation about the way in which investment is being made in the nonprofit community. And also, at this specific point, without any opportunity to have that strategic conversation, we need to look at the threat to the tax deduction.
1: Well, and, and Andrew, this is such an important topic, and of course, very timely with the President uh, winning a second term of the fiscal. Fiscal cliff uh, facing the United States. For all of our listeners uh, today, those that uh, are able to get to uh, Washington, D.C. on December 4th and 5th, what's going to be taking place?
4: Effectively, we're holding a lobby day on the 5th. Uh, With an introduction on the fourth, we've got over 100 meetings set up on the Hill. We've got over 225 people participating in those meetings. Um, You can find all the details of this um, on the AFP website. Um, You can also contact our general counsel, Jason Lee, J Lee at AFPnet.org, to talk about participating in this. This is part of the um, collaborative coalition that we've established, the Giving Coalition, um, and that is bringing together some of the key players on the Washington philanthropic scene.
1: Well, I think that's the an important U. step that you folks have been instrumental in. Tell us, what is the Charitable Giving Coalition?
4: Charitable Giving Coalition involves 28 separate organizations, um, AFP being one of them, the independent sector, another council on foundations, and many, many more. Um, These are all organizations who represent interests across the United States coming together to say this is something that is more important than our individual agendas, this is something where collectively um, we can demonstrate much more power and weight than we could individually. So on on issues such as this, the charitable tax deduction, but also on others that um, impact on the non-profit environment, uh, we use this as a forum for discussion, but also a forum for action, um, which is what's happening on the 4th and 5th of December.
1: Well, that's uh, that, that's terrific, and I'm so pleased that AFP is taking uh, a leadership role. We are providing a link uh, to the call to action on the AFP website, which is entitled Help Protect Charitable Deduction, Attend the Charitable Giving Coalition's uh, Capitol Hill event. So that is uh, over at tedhart.com. Click on radio links, and you'll find all the information regarding uh, the working dinner on December 4th and then the uh, breakfast and the meetings with congressional members on uh, December fifth. So again, uh, Andrew Watt, thank you for joining us here on page one. We're going to have you hang on, uh, so we'll bring you back at the beginning of uh, of page two. Uh, but thank you for bringing us Protect Giving DC Days uh, next week. Andrew Watt, we'll be right back to you. Next up here on uh, page one, news. Um, just to draw your attention again to social media, we've heard that mentioned a couple of times today. You'll find over in the, the radio links today um, a link to the Twitter account uh, for, uh, for this show, and that is uh, the uh, uh, Twitter tag is at Ted Hart, and right now we have 1,864 followers. Uh, make sure that you do sign up for that and our newsletter. Uh, this way you will make sure that you have all the advance notice Uh, about uh, who our guests are and what is happening here on the Nonprofit Coach radio show. That's what we have here for you on page one. That means it's time to head on over to page two. Now, generally, I do all of the introductions of the Page 2 guests, but we have Andrew Watt, the president and CEO, holding over from Page 1 today uh, because he was instrumental in his organization, the Association of Fundraising Professionals, in making it possible to draw attention to the wonderful work of Megan Laura Churchman and Justin Churchman, uh, who are here, and this is part of our National Flansby Day and Month celebration. Andrew, tell us the good news about the Churchmans. Thanks.
4: Well, Ted, this is an extraordinary opportunity. I I had the privilege of meeting um, Megan and Justin Churchman uh, earlier this year. Uh, And uh, I can only say that one of the great privileges of this job is traveling the country, meeting people like the Churchmans, Uh, at National Philanthropy Day celebrations or through the AFP awards program. Megan and Justin are an extraordinarily dynamic brother and sister fundraising and philanthropic team. They've been working together in the field of philanthropy uh, from a very young age. Uh, Both of them have grown up in El Paso, Texas. Both of them have been very... Um, engaged with some of the issues, the cross-border issues between El Paso and Juarez. And they have taken their own personal passion uh, to great lengths. Justin, I believe, had built 18 homes uh, by in, in Ciudad Juarez by his 18th birthday in 2010. Um, he's built three more since then. His sister, Megan, has built six and is planning her 7th in spring of 2012. This would be an extraordinary achievement for anyone. But for, the, for these two two young people, um, when you look at their ages and what they've achieved, all of us should be incredibly proud um, of that work. Uh, Indeed we
1: are, and we're looking forward to uh, getting a chance to uh, to chat with them. They're both live here on The Nonprofit Coach today to tell us what inspires them and how they succeed in the work that they do. But before we do that, they specifically won the Sims Award for Outstanding Youth in Philanthropy, ages 18 to 23. Can you tell us a little bit about, well, I guess it's the Changing Our World Sims Award. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about uh, that award and what you look for and how you might have come across honoring the churchmen?
4: Yes, absolutely. I mean, the Sims Award, the Changing Our World Sims Award, has always looked for outstanding leadership in young people. Um, over the years, there have been uh, an incredible variety of backgrounds, an incredible variety of actual achievements that have been honoured as a result of that award. Um, the criteria are simply that it is that you should be engaged um, in a philanthropic endeavour and should be aged between 18 and 23. Um, we also have a younger philanthropist award, and many people have seen that as a sort of a route into the celebrating the philanthropic connection and commitment of younger generations. It's of particular importance to us, I think, today. Um, We know that this world that we live in has been going through extraordinary change over the last few years. Um, The economic downturn has been viewed as a very negative um, thing in many respects, but I think it's opened up opportunities, but those opportunities will be realized um, by this generation, by people like Megan and Justin. Um, They're the ones who are going to take on the mantle that we have um, worn ourselves. They're the ones who have the passion, um, who have the understanding and have the commitment to make things happen moving forward. So this, I think, is is possibly one of the most uh, important awards that AFP can possibly give. And it's incredibly inspiring to see um, what individuals like Megan and Justin can do with the award once they've won it.
1: Absolutely, and we're, we're uh, uh, eager to chat with them in just a few moments about what this has meant uh, to them uh, personally. I've often thought in uh, AFP moving in this direction and this kind of focus on youth and philanthropy, you know, for, for decades, maybe centuries, the, the sort of model uh, has been sort of the, the scholar-athlete. And, uh, and I'm wondering, wondering from your perspective if, if the new model for the new century is the scholar-athlete philanthropist.
4: Well Ted, you always put it so convincingly i <laughs> i i I think that philanthropy um is something that strikes all of us very differently, but I think that philanthropy is an integral part of everybody's life. I think what's fascinating to me at the moment is the way in which. People routinely lead a philanthropic existence, and that doesn't matter whether their focus is on the environment through recycling. It doesn't matter whether it's on community-based initiatives, whether it's on faith-based initiatives. I cannot think of many people, and particularly in this generation, my own kids, are 17 and 19, um, who is not passionately engaged with effectively making the world a better place. They want to change the world. No, Absolutely. All of us remember the Andrew, yeah. I know that you've got yeah. a tight
1: schedule, but I'm hoping that maybe you'll just hang on for just a few more moments, and feel free to drop off when you need to, because I know you've got a sure. tight schedule today, but uh, please join me in welcoming, and we'll take them in order ladies first, uh, welcome first, uh, Megan Churchman, uh, welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show, Megan.
3: Yes, thank you so much for having me, and for that wonderful introduction, Andrew. <laughs>
4: So,
1: well, thank Megan, you. it's Very wonderful well. to uh, have you here. I had an opportunity to meet you and your brother as well when you received uh, the award, so we'll bring uh, the young gentleman in now. Justin, are you with us here on the Nonprofit Coach?
3: Um, he's actually a few minutes away. His professor through a last-minute test at him, so he's
1: Oh, okay. I, I have uh, another line here on the uh, – is that Justin? No. Okay. I was just waiting to see him come on to uh, onto the uh, switchboard. Well, so we have uh, ladies first. Um, uh, Andrew, I, I I didn't know if you wanted to take the opportunity, since you haven't seen them in a while, to uh, uh, ask a question or say hello before you need to leave.
4: No, I would I, I, I just, Megan, I was really happy when Ted Ted suggested to me that I come on today because I know that when we spoke, um, so many of us were saying to to, to to you and to Justin what an inspiration um, you'd given us, but I've been following what you've been doing since then, and and you've just taken it to new heights. So I just wanted to say again, thank you for letting us honor you, and thanking you, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you so much, <laughs> Andrew. Thank you to all the
1: folks at AFP who work hard to raise the money and make it possible for uh, for this award. And thank you for joining us here uh, today. I'm hoping to see you uh, at the uh, uh, Save uh the charitable deduction um, events uh next week I'm trying to clear my calendar to uh to join you folks uh, and I will let uh, Jason know if I can. Uh, again, Andrew Watt, uh, president and CEO of AFP, thank you for joining us here. Again, I'm on the nonprofit coach. Pleasure. Uh well now, Megan, it's uh my opportunity to get a chance to uh to chat with you. What did it mean to you? Uh, and I guess uh speak for your brother until uh he can join us here on the switchboard. Um, What did it mean to you to win this award?
3: Um, It was pretty uh, incredible because, you know, it was a a friend that we'd worked with in different contexts here that nominated me, um, and I didn't know that she was nominating me. And um, my little brother's gotten multiple awards for building in Mexico, and uh, to be recognized as part of a team with him was just uh, a really incredible feeling because, Of the experience it gave me. Uh, When we went to the award ceremony, we got to meet so many other people who have a heart for service and who wanted to hear our story and wanted to tell us theirs. And um, I just think having the opportunity to get there was amazing.
1: Megan, you were nominated for the National Award by the AFP West Texas Chapter and the Southern New Mexico uh, Chapter. Um, What caught their eye that uh, uh, inspired them to put your name forward?
3: Um, we had worked with them in El Paso and uh been recognized for an award a few years previously um but this chapter was familiar with our work in mexico um and as we started inviting uh them to participate in events um they learned about you know the different fundraisers we were doing um the different, you know, like we'd been involved in Africa and Mexico, uh, getting programs involved in El Paso. And um, they just, I think what caught their attention was that we were so young and that we'd been working together for a long time, you know, ever since we were little doing things like this.
1: Well, how did you get uh, get involved in uh, projects this large? I mean, I think there's, uh, thankfully, in, in the United States there, there are literally millions of, uh, of children who do get involved in charitable activities. But uh, but I think that, you know, they tend to be rather modest, important in their aggregate, but modest uh, individually. Certainly what you have accomplished um, could not be seen as modest. <laughs>
3: um, I really think that um, it depends on where you are and what, what the problems that you see are. I mean, we live on the border. We grew up on the border of Mexico, and so our whole lives, we were exposed to that, to the extreme poverty, to, you know, seeing families that didn't have homes or that didn't have a, a door to their house or a roof. Um, and so we saw the problem as something that was huge, and it was going to take a huge movement to make a change. Um, and my brother just walked in, so he's with us now.
1: Oh, terrific. Hey, wonderful. Uh, Justin, thank you for uh, for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. You just... Uh, uh, you missed the wonderful words that uh, Andrew Watt, uh, the uh, president and CEO of AFP, was with us a little bit earlier and was uh, singing your praises.
5: <laughs> well, thank you very much for allowing us to be here right now.
1: So we we're chatting about uh, what inspired you and your your sister to to get involved, but now that we have you both here, uh, what I'd like to do, and again we'll go with uh, ladies first, is to actually introduce yourself, tell us what you're doing now. Um, and what some of the current projects are that are taking your philanthropic time. So, Megan, why don't you go ahead first?
3: All right. Um, As uh, you all know, my passion is children, uh, specifically in Africa, and that's where I've done most of my work. I've been fortunate to uh, build homes with Justin, and we just spent our Thanksgiving break building another house um, for two families that were completely homeless. Um, It was a 70-year-old man and a 20-year-old a single mom with uh, two children that were, you know, moving between house and house every day. Um, so we were blessed by being able to spend our holiday doing that. Um, and then the resources this summer,
1: um, come from that make it possible for you to do something like that over a Thanksgiving break. Sorry. Where do the resources come from that
3: make all that possible? Um, Actually, our church decided that they wanted to try and get involved. Um, They hadn't previously been involved with this organization, and they decided they wanted to sponsor a house, and um, they asked us to lead it, and uh, so we were able to get some of the congregation to go with us.
1: Well, that's uh, wonderful that you have that support. Now, um, Justin, tell us a little bit about uh, about you and and where you are and what you're working on right now.
5: All right, so... um... I work with Casas por Cristo, which is a a huge non-profit organization here and um that's always been my passion is kind of housing and protection. And so um I fell in love with this organization that goes over to Mexico and now Guatemala and builds houses for those who can't afford it for free. Um we fundraise the money the teams do and um the materials put on site and we build a home for the family without expecting anything back and it's just incredible so i set a goal for 18 houses by the time that i was 18 and built twice on my birthday and once on spring break on spring break to accomplish it and uh with the help of my family and friends uh we were able to build my 18th house on my 18th birthday which was just incredible. And as my sister said, um, the last house we just completed actually marks my 26th. So I think I'm going to aim somewhere around 100 for the time I'm 25 or something. <laughs> uh,
1: well, well, that's, a, that's, a, that's an awful lot of work. Now, um, I'm guessing that you don't do this full time.
5: No, sir. I'm actually a student at the University of Texas at El Paso studying for mechanical engineering
1: well that's uh, that's sort of a heavy duty uh uh course load megan how about you are you doing this full time
5: um I
3: am a college student also I'm graduating in May with my bilingual teaching degree
1: oh terrific and and uh what what will you be doing afterwards?
3: Um, I am getting married, so I might be moving to Europe since he's in the service um And so I'm really looking at uh, spending the summer um, either working as an intern for Casas por Griso or um, serving at a young life camp. Uh, I'm also a leader for high school students. uh, So I'm looking to spend the summer that way. And then it depends on the move whether I can get a teaching job right away or not.
1: (laughs) Well, we're certainly hopeful that 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 will happen. um, before. So you're moving to Europe. Um, Did I – Gather there that there was a significant other in your life that is in Europe?
3: Um, he's actually here, but he'll have two years left in the service, and uh, we're trying to go to Europe for it.
1: Terrific.
2: So it,
3: when he gets out, uh, eventually I'd like to move to Africa to teach there. So that's that's my long-term dream.
1: Now, you folks have, have done work outside of the United States already. Is that is that correct? Yes. Where where have you um, taken your philanthropic efforts?
3: Um, well, my, I focus mostly on Africa. Um, I've been working at an orphanage in Cameroon, um, and I've been three times. This past year I was fortunate enough to lead my own team. And uh, the first year I went, I was just really blown away by the, the extreme need that was there. Um, and we had really gone for donations for Vacation Bible School. And so the second year I went back, um, I decided – uh, I'd be the team to build a kitchen. Um, they needed one because they were building on the dirt floor next to the toilets. Um, and so we built them a kitchen, a new dining hall. And this past year, uh, we bought sewing machines for the orphanage and taught all the girls how to sew so that they'll be able to provide for themselves. So my focus has been, you know, on improving the quality of life for them and providing them with a the life skill.
1: And then and where again, where do those resources come from? because traveling to Cameroon alone would be a daunting task for anyone, and then the supplies and all the um, uh, material that you need to be successful when you get there
3: yeah it's it's really frustrating how much airline tickets cost because that money could do so much more. Um, our last trip uh, our budget was actually thirty thousand dollars, and we spent two years raising that money um, and I have fundraisers, and I've really focused on making them fun, uh, making them different. The first year I wrote letters to people. um, A lot of people sent me money, and I I wasn't really comfortable with year after year asking people to send me a check. Um, I wanted them to be involved in the process. Um, I had a fundraising dinner where we had a silent auction of um, items I brought back from Africa, and I was able to talk to people about our projects, show them pictures um I also uh collected 17 local bands that performed for free. We got the venue donated, the stage donated, food to sell. Um and we had a big fundraiser by having a concert and charging people to come in and then we had, you know, African souvenirs and food there available to buy. So and then of course we've done a million food tables at, at openings for museums and at Walmart and things like that. <laughs>
5: And what about
1: you, Justin? Building houses is not a cheap
5: activity. Um, Well, actually, just like my sister said, we try and be really creative with the way we fundraise because people don't want to keep doing the same event, especially if it's not just once a year, like a race or run. Um, So there's times where I personally have um, set a goal where in 30 minutes, I had 30 minutes to run as many laps around a quarter-mile track as possible, And for every lap, people would pay me. So I went to my friends and family and asked for five cents for a nickel, for a dime, for a quarter, for every lap that I completed in that 30 minutes and encouraged them to come watch as I ran. And uh, I ran 17 laps. And so, I mean, pennies and dimes start to add up when you ask a school of, you know, 3,000 students, So that run, actually, which was organized and filled through within a week, uh, raised $1,100 in itself. But um, my construction actually goes to Juarez, Mexico, Acuna, Mexico, and Guatemala is the houses.
1: Well, that's uh, that's inspiring to anyone who's out there uh, uh, looking to raise money. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to ask you to – uh, think of ways to bring your experience uh, to the nonprofit executives um, who listen to this show all over the world, and i 'm uh, certain that one of the questions that uh, uh, that they 're going to have is uh, how to get young people like you involved with uh, philanthropic charities and we 'll be right back here on the nonprofit coach uh, with Justin and Megan Churchman. <laughs> Just a a few program notes here. Get your uh, pencils out in your calendars. We want to draw your attention uh, to uh, the remaining schedule for the nonprofit coach between now and the end of the year. Uh, Next week uh, we will be here with the ever-popular Steve Hafner, uh, who is going to be here to tell you how to uh, get all those wonderful matching gifts. When you receive gifts uh, from uh, or you make a gift, uh, make sure that the charity that is uh, uh, receiving it Um, is having that gift matched. And for your organization, that can double and sometimes triple or more the value of the donations coming into your organization. We're going to have the expert with us next week here on the Nonprofit Coach. That's December 4th at 12 noon Eastern. Uh, Next uh, is uh, December 11th. Uh, Clint O'Brien, again, a very popular guest here on the Nonprofit Coach, uh, is going to be uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach Uh, to talk about the controversy over the new policy shift um, regarding um, uh, uh, competitors, uh, Change.org and Care2, and how email is handled uh, in those uh, instances. And so uh, we're going to be taking a look at um, uh, how all that is uh, progressing and how the use of email uh, may be changing for nonprofit organizations. So we're going to have Clint O'Brien, an expert here on the nonprofit coach. He's been with us before uh, you don't want to miss that show on December 11th. And we'll be wrapping up uh, our uh, calendar for this uh, calendar year uh, with the ever-popular Kay Sprinkle Grace. Now, Kay Sprinkle Grace um, is always our holiday guest, and our holiday show this this year is December 18th, and she's going to be talking to us about making sure that the holidays are strategic for your organization and set your organization up for a very successful 2013. We then go into our our holiday hiatus. The holiday hiatus will run until January 29th. It's a great time to catch up on podcasts. All of our podcasts, of course, are always free and they're available at tedhart.com. Click on radio links and you'll be able to find all the podcasts. When we come back in the new year on January 29th with the first show after the holiday hiatus, Amy Eisenstein will be here with us helping us understand and learn how to set up 2013 for great success on raising more with less. And that is the program notes here on the Nonprofit Coach. Let's head back over to our wonderful Youth and Philanthropy winners.
0: Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on Radio Links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart.
1: You're back here live on The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. My guests today are Megan Churchman and Justin Churchman. They are the award winners of the Changing Our World Sims Award for Outstanding Youth in Philanthropy. Ages 18 to 23, they're helping us celebrate National Philanthropy Day and National Philanthropy Month here on the Nonprofit Coach. Megan and Justin, before we went away on the uh, break, I I wanted to uh, have you think about what advice do you have to all the nonprofit executives on how to inspire and get young people like you involved with the activities of charitable uh, organizations?
3: Um, I really think it's important to give them a face to a problem. Uh, For young people, you can throw statistics at them. You can... Tell them all you want how big a problem something is. But I don't really think it's until they see it with their own eyes that they realize what kind of need there is because then they start thinking, oh, maybe I could do this, or maybe why why don't we change it this way. But I really think it's important to get them out in the community, get them to an event, get them to a shelter so that they can see with their own eyes what the problem is.
1: From your perspective, uh, Justin, what is different um, about uh, young people servicing uh, a nonprofit organization than than people more your senior?
5: Um, well, it's kind of like what my sister said. I think our uh, the younger generation is a little bit more passionate, um, perhaps. Like when it when it comes to certain events and certain things, um, the youth tend to take more um, passionate holds on what they believe in and what they want to see happen or see change so when a nonprofit is using youth or having youth involved i think that they bring new ideas um creativity and even more strength both physically and mentally to the table um depending on everything that you talk about because the youth have so many new ideas coming they're young they're fresh and it's new ways to introduce an old topic, which can help change what the world sees.
1: What's your interaction been like um, as young people working with charitable organizations? How have you been received, uh, again, by people more your senior uh, who may be in leadership or maybe volunteers like yourself?
5: Sometimes it starts out a little bit harder because they see us as um, un- unknowledgeable and unexperienced and inexperienced and just not really on the same level as they are. But then there are um, a bunch of young adults and adults who see that there's a need for different ideas and different creativity and that there's a line between how much creativity can be involved and how much a, a youth can contribute. So by involving by involving youth um a lot of the times you'll see after working with adults that we come to a, a kind of a mediary section where we both contribute our ideas and an adult can still have control mm-hmm. over the situation while accepting new ideas and positive outlook from a younger a younger person
3: and along with what Justin said about us being seen as inexperienced I think that we as youth are a bit naive, but in a good way. You know, we we still think we can change the whole world. So I think that our goals are bigger, that we have bigger ideas because we think that we can be the change for everything. And adults have become more jaded, you know, and more realistic.
1: (laughs) And and in that, how how do do you find that you're able to open the eyes of of older people, or is it just – you do your thing and, and they do theirs.
3: Um, I think you just have to show them that you're dedicated because there are youth that say I want to do this, but they don't commit to it. So the adults don't want to waste their time um, if that's going to happen. But if you come to them and you say I have this idea, I need your help, and you know they're not they're not really willing, then you just go find someone else to help you with your idea, and then you come back and say look, this is what I did. Do you want to help this time? You know, you just you just have to show them that you're really dedicated to what you're doing.
1: So how did you two both get so involved? Did you have mentors that encouraged you? Who who were the, the people that, that gave you the path that said this was even possible at your age?
3: Our parents, definitely. Um, we were both raised in the church, uh, involved with youth groups. Uh, both of us were in scouts all the way through. Um, And community service is a huge part of scouting. Uh, And we've been really blessed to have parents that have taught us from the very beginning how to give back. And, you know, if you don't have a lot, you still have something to give, whether it's your time or your money or your skills or something. But they've definitely uh, raised us to be involved in the community.
1: Well, that's that's a wonderful legacy. Is, Is that something that your entire family is continuing to be involved with?
5: Definitely. Um, we actually have the Our Fathers Foundation, and it's um, the board consists of almost our entire immediate family, actually. It has uh, both of my parents, my sister and I are on the board, uh, even my grandma, and together we help um, support and strengthen uh, groups and nonprofits around the El Paso area that uh, protect and help women and children in in our area but um again tell us a a
1: little bit more about how that got started we are providing a link today over in the radio links at tedhart.com a direct link to the our father's foundation um so this is something that you and your family founded
3: yes and uh, they actually the past year helped justin and i start our own nonprofits. um his is called building better lives and uh, mine is global hands and um we really wanted to start those so that we were able to focus on our goals and our missions, um, and that we were able to work through a nonprofit profit instead of, you know, like, oh, send me money, I'm going to work in Africa. You know, it's, it's legitimate because it's through an organization. And um, so they created, they helped us create these organizations under the umbrella of the Our Fathers Foundation. Um, and both of those organizations are on Facebook, um, but this, the whole thing, like the family's been involved with all three of them.
1: That's terrific. We're going to take another really quick uh, break. When you come back, I'd like the two of you to reflect on what has uh, this uh, Changing Our World Sims Award for Outstanding Youth in Philanthropy, what has it meant uh, to you, and has anything changed uh, for your own philanthropy uh, since you received that award? And we'll be right back.
6: Every day, millions of people are online, many of whom want to help, volunteer, and donate to a good cause. Nonprofit organizations can use many Google tools to reach potential donors around the world and raise more money. And as an approved nonprofit, it doesn't cost a thing. It's all free. Google Grants helps you promote your website with free advertising on Google.com through the AdWords program. With Google AdWords, you create ads and choose words or phrases related to your nonprofit organization. When people search on Google using one of your phrases, your ad will appear next to the Google search results under the Sponsored Links section. AdWords allows you to target certain geographic areas, dates, and times of day for your ads to appear. YouTube for Nonprofits is another tool that can boost donations to your organization. The program offers a number of perks that get your message out there and drive viewers to take action and donate. You can list your organization on YouTube's nonprofit channel and add call-to-action overlays on your videos to drive viewers to donate. Need help analyzing your website traffic and marketing effectiveness? Google Analytics is a free tool that will give you rich insight and help you increase the number of people that visit and donate to your site. Google Analytics can be invaluable to many people in your organization such as development directors, marketing staff, and your web team. There are many other tools that can help you reach more donors and raise funds, like Google Checkout, where you can process credit card donations with no transaction fee, Google Sites to create a free website, and Website Optimizer, where you can figure out the best landing pages to turn site visitors into donors. To get started, apply for Google for Nonprofits today.
1: And we're back here with uh, the Nonprofit Coach uh, page two. Our guests today are Megan and Justin Churchman. Uh, who have won an important award uh, given out by the Association of Fundraising Professionals. Uh, my friends, what did this mean to you, and has it changed your philanthropy at all?
3: Um, for me, it was, uh, like I said earlier, that I think the experience of actually being at the award ceremony uh, was incredible. Um, it gave me the chance to meet people that truly care about what the youth is doing. They want to do everything in their power to help these projects. Um, El Paso can sometimes be uh, a little discouraging because people are focused on, you know, you shouldn't be working in Mexico and Africa. You should be working here. You should be working in the U.S. And what we saw at the, you know, at the award ceremony was that people don't care where you're working as long as you're working, and they want to do what they can to partner with you. Um, So for me, it was really uh, enlightening to go there and meet people like that. Um, And then since then, you know, I've had the opportunity to keep in touch with several people, uh, yourself included, that really just want to give us a voice um, and to help us, you know, help other youth, help other uh, philanthropies, um, and, you know, giving them advice, telling them our story, telling them what we've gone through.
1: And Justin, um, how about you? What, what's changed for
5: you? Um, personally, I, I just I mentioned it while we were there, actually, in one of our speeches, and I think it's so incredible to me um, that adults are recognizing youth for their contributions and starting to kind of help youth and empower them to continue working, um, as my sister said, all over the world. And by receiving this award and the publicity that came from it um uh, a lot of youth are inspired in our area and in all areas i've I've talked to plenty of people who have just um noticed that or or seen um the award or or heard my name mentioned when the award was announced and said, "Hey, like I have this foundation, and I do this and this and um it turns out that we end up linking up to help each other do another fundraiser or some type of event where I I couldn't even tell you the connections that the award has created um and the inspirations that it's created in in the youth in America because it shows that there's all types of possibilities all out all over the place.
1: And what kind of publicity did you receive? I mean how how how
5: widespread uh, was this award noted uh locally it was uh, a huge impact my <laughs> I had plenty of friends and family come up to me and mention that they they saw the award in the newspaper and in the news and um just um they began to fund uh our costas por Cristo was kind of in a slump due to. Um, news media about violence and it finally started to come back and strengthen again and really I mean the publicity and just the newspaper and the media for a little short time completely changed the path of a dying out non-profit and it saved it to create and make it strong again and I think that's one of the most important things is that there's also good publicity and there's there's news on on the good things that are happening in the world not just the violence and the wars and the hurricanes and destructive materials where people can't can't find a a place to see the good changes in the world and to renew their hope so this award helps helps provide people all around the world with that kind of hope
1: what are uh uh megan what are the uh the ripple effects uh, to people your age um, that that uh, that you've noticed by your own personal involvement.
3: Uh, well, I have several friends that um, you know have never they n- haven't been raised to give back. You know, they've uh, haven't been told that community service it should be part of everyone's life. And a lot of these friends we've been able to take over to Mexico. And even though they live here, they're just blown away by what's happened and, you know, they come back and they start telling other people, Hey, it's not scary over there, you need to go. Um, one of my closest childhood friends, um, who would fit into that category went with me to Africa this year and he came back totally changed. You know, he, he said, I never thought that it was my job to help people. I never knew that people had it so bad off you know I just I, I really want to change what I'm doing like I, I think I need more meaning in my life I need to go out there and help people so it's been it's really amazing you you don't get to see those things all the time but to hear it from someone that's been a friend for so long like you know it's really affected him and, and he's changed so that he he sees you know I, I am expected to give back and there are people that I can help even if I'm not in the best situation.
1: And and um speaking specifically to uh uh to that topic and, and how you've changed the lives of, of so many people, both as volunteers and uh um the obviously the lives of the people who you know have houses and, and, and have better lives because of your philanthropy. Um Justin, you weren't with us, but I, I sort of put this concept out to uh uh to Andrew Watt earlier um regarding a New Century um and what used to be sort of the uh the ideal um for a successful life um uh was the student athlete um is it, you know that combination uh was seen as a, as a, a good precursor to a successful life in the new century is is are we moving into the age of the student athlete philanthropist
5: uh, i i believe so i mean i know that there are hundreds of athletes, and personally I know a few who are actually very involved in um, the community, because I think that, um, well, I mean, take the Olympics, for example, um, or even just um, the Wimbledon or the World Cup, especially for soccer, has legitimately paused entire wars to bring people together to witness a, a sport event, and what what the community doesn't realize is how much power these athletes actually possess, because if you can stop a war for a few days to watch a soccer game, I think I mean I can't even, I'm speechless I that's so much power for a team of maybe 26 extremely talented individuals to possess, that it's beyond their belief, it's beyond our belief, and for them to become involved in the community it's almost um it's almost necessary and and I think that the growing generation is starting to realize that and that by gaining um popular support and support worldwide that they show that there's there's more hope and more passion other than just their own sports
1: that's, a, that's an awful lot of power, uh, Megan, that, that sounds like young people can uh, bring through their enthusiasm for philanthropy. What about governments that you've, uh, that, that you've had to work with? Do you, do you find support around the world, or is that a challenge?
3: Um, some governments are a challenge. You know, we've, we've had – at um, one of our last fundraisers, we had a guy telling us, you know, you have no business. Being in Africa, like everyone hates us, anyways. You know, no one likes the U.S. And and I told him, you know, that there are some governments like that, but that doesn't change the the poverty in the country. There's people that love anyone that comes to help. Um, so I I've never actually uh worked with a foreign government that said, you know, we want to help you do this. Um but I also haven't been hindered by um a government that's, you know, doesn't want us to get involved. Um I know there are corrupt governments, there are other governments that truly want to help their people. Um but I, I really haven't experienced either one. Well that's uh that
1: that's encouraging. Um as uh, I'm watching the clock it's always amazing how fast time goes. I want to make sure that uh, before we wrap up uh, today's show in celebration of your uh, good fortune in winning this award and being recognized for the wonderful work that you do um, as we wrap up the celebration of National Philanthropy Month, um, how can uh, people who may want to be involved or learn from you or connect with you, uh, how can they be in contact with each of you?
3: Um, They can find our uh, Facebooks, uh, Global Hands or Build Better Lives, uh, we also have the website, uh, theourfathersfoundation.org. Um, and they should be able to contact us from either one of those places. Uh, Justin and I are constantly checking the Facebook, and then um, our mom works on the website, so she's able to um, be in touch with us. And our emails are also on there.
1: Terrific. And we are providing a link uh, to uh, the Our Fathers Foundation uh, at uh, tedhart.com over in, uh, in the radio links. Um, so bring, bring us full circle here, and in, in, in just a couple of minutes that are left here on the show, what would you like to leave the nonprofit executives around the world uh, who listen to this show um, and are looking for ways to become even more successful with their own organizations? What advice do you have for them?
3: Um. I think it's important to find something that you're passionate about and then narrow your goal down to that. Uh, the more specific uh, thing that you want to do, the more attainable your goal is. Um, you can't end world hunger, but you can end hunger in a city or in a small country. Um, and and really, you know, if you're not passionate about something, your heart's not going to be there, and it's going to be a lot of work. Um, if you are truly passionate, then it's easy for people to see that, and it's it's infectious. So people want to join you. They want to help you, um, and then you have something attainable that they can see and they can work towards.
1: And Justin?
5: Um, I actually recently watched a video on um, passion, and it actually had some really interesting information where it, it said that, if you don't set it was it was on your goals too and it was if you don't set your eyes on your goal and um instead you focus on the money to get to your goal you're only going to ever be stuck trying to earn the money and the money again and you're going to stay in that circle whereas you have to look towards your goal so i would say um to all the all the listeners that um always keep your eye on the goal no matter what even if you don't have the the monetary or resources or what whatever is lacking um, to never forget what you're going for and to never stop trying to get to it and to involve everyone because everybody has new ideas and there's going to be that one person that thought of something you never would have thought of that could bring in the money that you've always been looking for to reach your goal. So, Well, I, I want to thank you both for your
1: inspiration, and I think, um, Justin, you wrapped it up very nicely. I think uh, not missing opportunity to have the wonderful input of young people like you uh, probably does make charities less than they could be. Uh, so I think a big takeaway for us today is not only your own personal involvement with philanthropy and your inspiration that you bring to all of us, Here as we wrap up National Plant Speed Day, but a sort of a ringing the bell to remind us that there are people out there who are maybe younger than uh, the average nonprofit executive who do have experience, insight, and ideas (laughs) to help make all of our projects better. Megan and Justin Churchman, congratulations on your award and thank you for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach.
3: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. And that is our show for today. Don't forget that we will be back here live again next week, on Tuesday, December 4th, 12 noon Eastern, with Steve Hafner, who's going to help us with insights and make sure that every dollar that's donated to your organization has the opportunity to be multiplied, uh, maybe doubled or tripled, and that's through matching gift policies and programs. That's our show. Thank you for joining us here on The Nonprofit Coach.
0: You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach.